Me and Dennis are still arguing. <laughs> we are because, all right, let's get into the Daily Checkdown number five. I know we actually had uh, Daily Checkdown brought to you by Window Nation. <laughs> so we're going to continue this NCAA conversation here. All right, so the NCAA, the new president, Charlie Baker, said earlier today a federal law. He wants a federal law to regulate the way college athletes can, can be compensated. So, again, regulating how players can be compensated for endorsement deals that creates a registry of deals, agent certification, and uniform contract standards. The way I look at that, that's guardrails in terms of what that's limiting athletes and what they're allowed to do. I am against limiting athletes on how they're able to make their money. Now, in terms of you're talking a lot along, along the lines of coaches tampering, with schools tampering with players that are currently at a school. For example... If there's a basketball player here at NC State, a coach at Mississippi State can't contact that player directly unless they're in the transfer portal. Okay? Like, that's called tampering. Now, there are skirting around the rules, for example. A player at Mississippi State hits up a player at NC State and is just like, hey, man, I'd love to ball with you. Like, you can't do you anything can't about it. that. You, you can't, can't stop, stop that. that. It's like, hey, well, you know what? I'd love to. Tell your coach I'm interested. We agree when it comes down to, like, the guardrails, and I don't want to limit the amount a player can make. Not at all. Okay. Because uh, th- I don't want to limit how they can do it either. That doesn't that doesn't make sense to me. And I'm not saying how either. I'm just saying the only how that should be limited is before a player signs with a school. Okay. A collective, a booster, whoever, a company cannot offer you an NIL deal based on you being at that particular school Why? until you are signed. Now, if, if you are Zion Williamson before you go to Duke and people just – you have all these Twitter, uh, Instagram followers and people – and you're getting it off of the strength of that, cool. But to steer you to the direction of Duke, you will get a million dollars if you go to Duke. That, to me, it should not happen. How do you And there that? needs to be – you could. There's different ways you could probably How? prove that. How? Because here's States, the thing. Listen, I'm not an FBI agent, but the United States government can find out a lot of things. Here's the thing. Why do you want the government to step in on those deals? Like, why? Why should the government step in on those deals? For example, you because bring that if up. you have if you have the richest schools with the richest donors, like if you have the guy who uh, owns Under Armour, and all of a sudden he's uh, pumping a lot of money into Maryland. All of a sudden, Maryland becomes really good. Then you have uh, Phil Knight pumping a bunch of money into Oregon. All of a sudden, Oregon becomes really, really good. And then all of a sudden, that is that is changing the way that your athletics are going to run. Like that. That's just really changing like the what, what's the word i'm looking for here it's changing uh it's i'm looking for a word here that i'm, I'm missing okay. but this is but that really that really messes up the competition okay and here's i don't the and thing. that's not the part that i that's the part that All i'm right, against so here's the thing how is that how are you going to prove that if, if you're a top end high school athlete chris All right, let me finish here if if i if you're a top end high school athlete and i can just sit there and say hey i'm going to give this to you now because you're a five-star player even though I know you might be heading to Duke, Carolina State, or whatever, how are you going to prove that that actually steered a player in that direction? Like, there's no tangible proof to do that. If I have able to work a deal with you before you actually get to that school, that's the that's the point I'm trying to make. And also, why do you want federal legislation into that? Like, why should federal legislation be set up to make sure that there aren't recruiting inducements from coaches, which is what the NCAA currently has, that, for example, Mac Brown at North Carolina can't tell you as a recruit, Chris Lee, right. if you come to school here, I'm going to guarantee you $100,000. I got it lined up for you. You can't do that already. That rule's already set. So why should the federal government also get involved in that? 
my opinion, that's dumb. This is what I'm talking about, guardrails, limiting what players can do. There's no reason for that. But also, does every single business that wants to do with a, with a business with a college player have to register? No, that's stupid. There's no reason for that. Our friends at Capital BSC, they should not have to register to go do an NIL deal with NC State players. That should not be something that they have to do in order to do a deal with UNC players or Duke players. They so should now, not have so to register to do that. You're, you're blurring it because How I do am I it. blurring I, it? I, you're blurring what I'm saying because I agree How? with that. I agree with what the okay, last part so, you just said. But I'm, t I'm simply talking about the inducements to get the player there. If, if nah. I'm, And you can prove if somebody's steering it because if I'm Applebee's and I just want to uh, just give – a uh, a deal to a player because I feel like they'll make my business better. But as Applebee's, I'm not in bed with any school. Then no, you can't. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. So of course you can't prove that it steered you in either any type of way. But if I am a, a, a I'll take Under Armour again for example. Mm -hmm. Under Armour, and I'm giving you money, and I'm like, you know, Maryland's a good choice. Why don't you just go to Maryland's a really good choice if you go there or another Under Armour school. Prove that. Then you can. That could be, man, that looks really fishy. And you saying that there's rules around that already? No, I mean, yes, there were. But when NIL came about, that changed that changed the rules for them. That There's no rule about for NIL for that. So now it needs to change. Now, I, I'm right. I, I think you're right as far as, like, I don't think the federal government should get involved. But if you're trying to get the federal government involved, this is what you should get them involved for. No, no, this, absolutely this not. Is what For you, recruiting inducements, you don't, no. You don't need to have – No. I don't want players to have a cap on what they should make. I really it's don't want It's not about players. cap. This is about controlling how they but make money. But that's what you were saying before. I don't no, want I don't players. want a cap. I never said anything about no, no, cap. No. You said you don't want players to have a cap, and I'm saying I agree with you on yeah, that. Yeah, I never said that. I'm. You, you said that you do not want players – you're misinterpreting what I'm saying. I agree with you. I don't – that players should not have a cap on, on how much – or how they make their money. But but what? You should not be able to be associated with a school and be able to give people money to come to your school before they are signed. Once they come to your school and you are uh, NC State company, uh, Maryland company, or Oregon company or whatever, give them all the money that you want and however you want to give it to them. I don't care any about that. But you shan't, shouldn't be able to be associated with a school and say, you over there, come over here, I'll give you money. Not until they sign. Once they sign, give them however much you want. That's all I'm saying. Okay. We agree for the most part. I'm just saying the inducements I, are... I, I For inducements, again, inducements that come from coaches directly, that's already against NCAA rules. But it's happening. I, I know, but they're they're finding ways to work around the rules. Those things were happening before NIL. But Chris. there isn't a rule now that has been updated for NIL. That is my whole point. The rule has that been has updated. Not, the rule has not been in the updated NCAA. Yeah, for, and only only that the coaches can. But yeah, when you have schools that have general managers and other collectives and things like that who can call people and make these calls and come, that they can still do that, and they are doing that. That's what needs some framework around it. I disagree. I disagree. I don't think what 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 Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, talking about how players, the way college athletes can be compensated, registry of deals, agent certification, uniform contract standards. No, I don't want any of I don't that want kind that of stuff. Okay. I'm with you. So NCAA, you know what the federal, you know what the federal, you know what the feds are actually going to tell the NCAA? Go kick rocks. 
because guess what? Should because if you're gonna try, they, they made the mess. Well, they guess the thing. You it. made the mess, but here's the thing: if you want to put frameworks <laughs> and, and framework and guardrails on these athletes, then guess what you need to do: make them employees, which the NCAA One doesn't want to do. Hundred percent. That high five. So yeah, you want registration. You want this? Pay the players because what is NIL at the end of the day? Getting paid. It's, it's just the NCAA uh, passing it off to That's someone all else. Doing. That's all they don't doing. have to share their actual money that they yeah. their billions of dollars that they're making off TV deals and endorsements with the players. That's all that is. To me, feds need to just go ahead and just stay out of it. That should be illegal. What? That that part. Oh, that them passing the yes. buck. That's maybe what the feds should get involved with. That I'm 100 percent with. All right, we spent a lot of time on that. Ah, now we can hug. <laughs> Let's go to number four. Now we can hug and make up. You were giving me working punches there during uh, during the break. It was fine. No, it's great. I, I, I love that we have different sides on this. NHL game three tonight. Stanley Cup finals. Florida Panthers trailing the Vegas Golden Knights 2-0 in their series. You can actually listen to that game right here on 99.9 The Fan. Absolutely. Puck drop just after 8 o'clock. So, again, you, you listen to that right here in The Fan. It stinks that the Carolina Hurricanes are not in this right now. But... Sergey Bobrovsky, that guy who just completely tore up the Carolina Hurricanes in net for the Florida Panthers, actually got yanked in Game 2 in that 7-2 loss. He's supposed to start tonight. He's expected to start tonight. I don't see why would you turn away from Sergey Bobrovsky because, again, that's the, what he's capable of yeah. is so great. But Vegas seems to have their number right now. Yeah, uh, the, the Panthers probably just need to muck it up a little bit and make it super physical. Like, mm-hmm. don't. Let Vegas get any space whatsoever. And, and, I mean, you're right. Like, Bobrovsky looked like a wall against the Carolina Hurricanes. And against <laughs> against the Vegas Golden Knights, he looks like an ant. Yeah, I know. Like, it, it's just – it's crazy the difference in um, – the difference in, in just one series, how how he looks. The guys in front of him didn't do any help in game two. They took a couple very undisciplined undisciplined penalties, did the Florida Panthers early in game number two, and before you know it, Vegas is up 4 nothing. And a couple of those were power play goals. So they definitely took advantage of that for sure. And I think being back at home, I think Florida is going to be a little bit more disciplined. Like you said, kind of buck things up a little bit. Yeah, I think they're going to definitely bring that physical style of play that they brought against the Carolina Hurricanes, that that more heavier style of play. I think they're going to keep this one a little bit more low scoring. Florida Panthers 3-2 tonight. I agree with you on that. Florida um, Panthers 3-2. And guess who's probably going to have the game-winning goal? It's probably going to be Matthew Kachuk. Probably Matthew Kachuk. Uh, I agree with you on that, but I think uh, Golden Knights still win the series probably oh, in, in six. five or six games. I'm with you on that. All right, let's go to the next one. One, two, three. All right, NBA. Talking about game threes, we had game three last night of the NBA Finals uh, between Denver was so the good. Denver Nuggets and also the Miami Heat. And, man, Denver was on one. The first two players to ever have uh, – 30-point triple-doubles in the same game. Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray. In NBA history. Ever in NBA history. Doesn't matter. Regular season, postseason, doesn't matter. That is wild. And a part of that is the fact that the Nuggets, when they landed in Miami on Monday, went the opposite direction of South Beach. They went 30 minutes away to their teammate Jeff Green's house uh, and just fellowshipped as a team. Yeah. And um, ended up really coming together. And that's that's a good thing that ended up happening. Uh, for them, they walked away with the win. One thing I'm noticing from the difference between these two teams is that I feel like Miami has to be hitting on all cylinders for a chance to win. Like, everyone has to be hitting on all cylinders for a chance to win. But Denver, that's not the case. For example, Michael Porter Jr., uh, is, is, is he entered the chat yet? 
He had two points yesterday. Contavious Caldwell-Pope only had six points yesterday. Their bench only had nine points yesterday for the Denver Nuggets. They don't have to be hitting on all cylinders to still win, whereas I think with with Miami Heat because of the injuries, everything has to go right perfectly. Like Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo. I mean, outside of those guys, they really didn't get a whole lot because between those two guys, they had 50 points yeah. between those two guys. If the rest of the team's only getting 44, ugh, long day. They, they have to be hitting. They hit 31% of their three-pointers yesterday. If they're not shooting 40-plus percent from three – and they're not shooting a 45-plus percent just from the floor as a whole, it's a long day for them. And just everything has to hit right. For example, 5 of 18. That's all the Denver Nuggets were from three-point. They were 5 of 18. That's 27%. Like, they, that's that's terrible. They also, But they still won by 15. They exposed uh, the Heat also on defense when they basically just ran pick and rolls for Jamal Murray and mm-hmm. uh, Nikola Jokic the entire time, which is uh, pretty much – um, what happened, you know, against Nikola Jokic in game, in game two, two, which is why Denver ended up losing. So uh, very interesting how that ended up happening. And now uh, we have up two games to one. If the Heat have to win game four, mm-hmm. that is basically an elimination game for them, in my opinion. I'm with you. All right, let's go next. And I don't even care who number two is. Chris Paul. Louisville, North Carolina native um, with the Phoenix Suns right now. Mm -hmm. One of four players scheduled to make over $30 million for the Phoenix Suns this upcoming season. And the Suns are like, hmm, 38 years old, another guy making $30 million. Yeah, uh, Chris, let's come in and meet meet with this. And so they met with Chris Paul yesterday, and apparently uh, Chris Paul uh, knows that he will be probably waived from the Phoenix Suns by June 28th, I believe, is the date. Um, he could either be signed back with the Phoenix Suns or he could end up signing with another team. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is going to be a cost-saving measure for the Phoenix Suns. And um, I still think, though, that his best fit will probably be with the Suns. What do you think his best fit should be, Dennis? As Stephen A. Smith said, the best fit probably is still with Phoenix because of the talent that's there because you still have Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, two young players, Kevin Durant, one of the best players in the world, but just has not been healthy much of the, really the last few seasons. I know everyone thinks the Lakers, but what about this one? What about Memphis? To be John Morant's backup? Well, when John Morant comes back from his suspension, the, however long that might be. So the only reason why I would say no to that is because former Duke player Tyus Jones is there, mm-hmm. and he already has one of the best um, assist-to-turnover ratios in the NBA. Yeah. And the Memphis Grizzlies have a winning record with John Morant not there already anyway. True. Right? So they, they have a capable backup in Tyus Jones. So I'm not sure where Chris Paul like fits, especially if you want him on the floor. Um, because he's going to go to a place either as a starting guard, point guard, or a, a backup for another team. And there's probably other teams that need it, the, need it more than him. Yeah. And honestly, the, the Lakers need it more than the Memphis Grizzlies. Very good point. It's amazing how just a couple years ago that team was in the NBA Finals. Now they just completely dismantled it. Like, Monty Williams, head coach, gone. They Which traded like a bunch crazy. of crazy. Yeah, well, there's that. that was ridiculous. But, but they traded a bunch of their depth yeah. to get Kevin Durant, and all yeah. of a sudden now you're going to get one of your start, get rid of your starting point guard as well. So you just completely 
revamp that team. And I, and I don't think this team now that we're going to see next season for the Phoenix Suns is better than what it was a couple years ago that was in the NBA Finals. It's going to be tough. I mean, you know, really this uh, this front office is going to have to pull a rabbit out of the hat at some point mm-hmm. uh, in this offseason to – because really what you talked about right there is the depth. You've got, you know, uh, Devin Booker. You've got uh, De- DeAndre Ayton. And you've got Kevin Durant. So you're going to have a good core there. But if one of those people gets injured and two of them are injury prone, so there's probably going to be injuries happening. Yeah. Who are you going to have to back them up? And that's really the the question for the Suns, which is why you probably want to figure out a way to keep Chris Paul. Next up. I am number one. When Bryce Young is the starting quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, we know who his backup's going to be, and a reliable one in Andy Dalton. Absolutely. This is something the Carolina Panthers don't have to deal with. They don't have to deal with what the Phoenix Suns are going through because we know QB1 is going to be Bryce Young. And he's getting those first-team reps already in OTAs, Chris. Yeah. I mean, you know, Andy Dalton got the first-team reps to start off. We didn't know if uh, when Bryce Young was going to get the first-team reps, and it looks like uh, – it's it's right now. He's yeah, starting to get now. it right now. And just the way his teammates talk about him. I, I listened to Icky Aquino. I listened to DJ Chark uh, talk about him today. And, and you know, even folks on the defensive side of the ball uh, a few weeks ago, Shaq Thompson and others, they are glowing mm-hmm. about Bryce Young. And it doesn't feel like they're talking about a rookie. It feels like they're talking about a veteran quarterback who's been there. The problem is, is he hasn't played his first NFL game yet. Very true. Now, you mentioned Iki Iquanu and the development. Here's Iki Iquanu, former NC State offensive tackle, first-round pick last year, number six overall for the Carolina Panthers, on Bryce Young and his development. Bryce has been great. He's been developing really fast, you know, um, you know, taking command of that huddle early. Um, you know, just definitely excited to see his development more and more. Excited to see him grow. Um, but, yeah, he picked it up really fast. Definitely very impressive. We've heard people talk about that the moment has never been too big for him. And I know y'all haven't played a game yet, but have you sensed any of that even out here in June? Yeah, definitely. You know, uh, you know, same guy every day. You know, calm, collected. Uh, he never really gets ratted out there, no matter what's going on with practice. So, and I definitely, you know, moment's never too big. I can see that. That's Aki Kwanu to discussing again the development of Bryce Young. Here's the big question going forward, Chris, for Bryce Young. We hear it talking about he's hit every single expectation, right? Well, what if week one? He throws four picks and it's has possible. a bad game. Like it's very much possible. He's like throws fifty. He just completes fifty percent of his passes, one hundred eighty-seven yards. Throws three or four touchdowns or three or four interceptions. You know, and then it's like all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, I thought this guy was hitting expectations. He's going to struggle. He's a rookie quarterback in the NFL. There are going to be moments where he struggles, but you want to see continued progress. I think um, you have a very smart coaching staff. You have all these play, uh, people on the coaching staff that have years of coaching experience in the NFL, but also a few players, uh, coaches who are former players in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They're smart. They know that they have a rookie quarterback. They know that they're going to have somebody who's going to step on the NFL field for the first time and feel those jitters. They know that when his he plays his first game at Bank of America Stadium, it's going to be for Monday night football. Yeah. One of the biggest regular season games you can play in, mm-hmm. right? So It's early in the year. Play calling is going to be huge with that. Mm-hmm. You already have acquired the weapons. You've acquired the help on the offensive line. Now it's all about play calling. Frank Reich says that he's going to be the one calling the plays. 
he is going to do what he can do to to protect Bryce Young. So you know that they're not going to have him air it out and have these you know seven step dropbacks for every play. No, <laughs> to to get it you know fifty yards down the field. That's not what we're going to see from Bryce Young and the Carolina Panthers. We're going to see Miles um, uh, Sanders getting the ball at the backfield. We're going to see Hayden Hurst and Tommy Tremble getting the ball as tight ends as their safety blankets, and then you're going to see the short intermediate routes from Adam Thielen and mm-hmm. DJ Chark and from uh, from Jonathan Mingo and others to help Bryce Young out. And also, probably a heavy dose of the running game as well. Yeah, you're going to see that a lot because you you know that this can happen and you don't, you've said this early in the show, you don't want to uh, mess with uh, a young quarterback's confidence and he can be as confident as he wants right now. If he goes out and has a really bad first game, man, his confidence may tank. Yeah, and that's the last thing you want to do is tank a young man's confidence.